Hello everyone, Just GQ here, and just want to say welcome to another episode of the Travel Guides. Well, apologies for the delay in this second part of Cuba episode. Things have been pretty hectic with work and with life and whatnot. And as we balance all of our regular responsibilities, we've added in this podcast as well to give some inform- some great information um, to you all, the listeners, so that hopefully you all can benefit from our experiences as well as the experiences of others. That being said, we definitely appreciate you all sticking with us and bearing with us. Um, we've been building up the queue a little bit, so we have some exciting new things that are coming soon um, as far as new places, new experiences, and new guests as well. So please stay tuned for that. However, as promised, we do have the second part of the Cuba share out. And this episode will be a little bit different from the flow that we've had previously. This will feature four interviews of people that were on the trip. They'll speak to their perspectives, what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, their takeaways from Cuba. And then we'll have a playback of a session that we attended at the Literacy Center of Cuba. Just wanted to give you all an overview of what you all will be listening to as I'm just going to let this thing flow. So with that being said, please sit back and enjoy this episode of The Travel Guides, the podcast dedicated to making travel easy for everyday people like you and me. And my political work is solidarity in many causes, a lot of activism against police brutality and many other issues. So Gloria was the organizer of the trip. What made you um, want to put together this trip? I believe that there's been an explosion of U.S. tourism to Cuba, the desire to see the country. There's something good that people feel there is. And it's... uh, considered like the last, one of the last places where that's prohibited up to now. But I think it's important for people to come to Cuba, I think in group tours, uh, totally free access to anything you want, but to have a, a context of why Cuba is Cuba, why it's a peaceful country that, you know, the fact it has free health care, housing for all, and free education. So you've been here how many times? I came to Cuba the first time in 1985, and since then I've been here 67 times. Uh, All of them political trips, bringing medicine during the hardest times for Cuba, solidarity, trying to break the blockade. So that was Gloria. Gloria was a great guide for us, very knowledgeable on Cuba, as you heard, had been to the country 67 times, very active from an activism standpoint. Um, And next we'll listen to commentary from International Peas and my aunt. She's one of our favorite aunts, and she was actually mentioned on our pilot episode on Costa Rica. So without further ado, here's Aunt Sandra. So would you say you've enjoyed your time here in Cuba? I will say that I loved my time here in Cuba. That's good. What was your What was your favorite part? I have two. Okay. Um... The first was the Museum of the Revolution, and the second was Che Guevara's why were these, memorial. Why were these your favorite as we walked through the streets of Havana? They were informative. 
Uh, they were enlightening. They seemed balanced and provided information that most people in the United States don't get access to. So we base our opinions about uh, events for which we don't have adequate information. And when you say balanced, what do you? How do you mean? I mean that there are different perspectives to situations, and we only get one. And we hear about the Bay of Pigs, we hear about the invasions, we hear about Fidel Castro, but there's no perspective from the Cuban point of view or the socialist point of view. Interesting. Thank you. So, although brief, I definitely wanted to make sure that we were able to get Aunt Sandra's commentary in here as she was instrumental for me even going on this trip. Um, and one of the reasons why International Peace and my love for her run so deeply is because she has been instrumental in our entire lives of broadening horizons, challenging social norms, and, uh, and forcing us to think about things more deeply. So even when she brought up this trip, um, even though there was a very little hesitancy on my part, I was, I was very grateful that she even made this a possibility of something to experience. So a sincere thank you to Aunt Sandra for yet again being the plug. <laughs> Next, we'll listen to two other individuals that were on the trip, two people that I can call friends, Edwin and Nicole. They're recent graduates that are working in the public service sector. So we'll listen to their varied perspective uh, right now. All right. My name is Nicole. I am an elementary school counselor from Daly City, California. Um, I really wanted to come to Cuba because I wanted to learn about what the differences are in education between the U.S. and Cuba. All that I think I've learned when it comes to the history of Cuba is a lot of negativity, and I really wanted to see it for myself. So I came on this trip because I had heard about it through a friend, and I'm really glad that I came. Um, if I were to say something sort of touristy or recommend something to do, I would definitely go to Varadero Beach. That was another thing that it was a huge highlight of the trip have never really gone to the beach. I'm not a beach person, but the water is so clear, so nice and warm. The sand feels great. Definitely go there, but wear a lot of sunscreen. I'm about three shades darker than I was when I got here. And I think that's about it. All right. Hey everyone, my name is Edwin Carmona Cruz. Um, I live in San Francisco and I currently work as an immigration paralegal at a nonprofit immigration firm in San Francisco, uh, providing direct legal services for undocumented and marginalized communities. Um, this experience is definitely one of a kind, and when people say that, I'm always saying, like, oh, it's pretty cliche, but no, really, it's actually one of a kind. Um, not a lot of people can come to Cuba, especially now that the embargo is quote unquote lifted. Well, the travel ban is quote unquote lifted, but one thing I do have to say is that the Cuban people are very humble, very hardworking, and there's a is a collective sense of of moral code, a collective sense of socialism, a collective sense of taking care of your neighbor. Um, it's probably one of the safest cities I've ever been in in the whole entire world, and I've traveled quite a bit, not to sound pretentious or anything, but <laughs> um, but it's it's been it's been such a neat experience to be here. Like I said, most people, most Cubans are very well aware of the U.S. political system and economic system because they're so affected by the blockade um, and, the bar and the embargo. One take out that I would, that I'm going to take back home is 
this, the sense of collectiveness, the sense of we are united in a struggle together and we stand in solidarity with everyone around the world even if we don't have any anything to else to provide other people we are working together for a common goal and that's to live a good life and live a, pro, uh, a prosperous life uh, in health and education and love um, that's something that, that I wish that the US had instead of having this very individualistic point of view of seeing the world and seeing other countries and Definitely going back home and to advocate, continue to advocate to end the blockade um, that the U.S. has against Cuba, so this country can prosper as well as other countries. Because it's definitely unfair, and is remnants of the Cold War that are still going on that are very inaccurate and archaic now. Um, so it was a neat, very neat experience. If anyone has the opportunity to come to Cuba, please come. Um, immerse yourself into the culture. Talk to folks walking around. Um, they like they they're very friendly towards Americans. They love talking uh, uh, with one with one another. So, with that said, thank you everyone, and I hope you all decide to come to Cuba one day. That's awesome, man. Thanks for the uh, for the commentary there. What would you say has been? Uh, obviously, we we have a diverse group, and there's been a lot of diversity as far as the activities that we've that we've uh had what's been your favorite thus far um thus far other than talking to diff- to people on the street or like at the plaza in sancti spiritus just talking to folks about what they thought about you know police brutality and uh the political system in the united states one thing that i really enjoyed is the museum of the revolution it's just remarkable to see that this island this little island has what's what's what stood the power of the United States for such a long time and you can see that obviously and like any revolution it, it took a lot of unity a lot of uh, collaboration um, obviously there's some setbacks in the revolution but the fact that they lived without US imperialism for 60 plus years is amazing um, most countries um, have failed because of US intervention for example in Honduras in 2009 there's a military coup um, the war in Iraq for example um, and the revolution really outlines a sense of patriotism that is always very unique it's not in a very pretentious way it's a very collective way of saying we you know we yes we had our independence in the in the late 1800s but the revolution was their second coming of their independence of truly being sovereign and having auto- autonomy for one for the country itself um, and it, just, it was just amazing to see artifacts amazing to see um, the bullets the bullet holes when you walk in you see oh, yeah. Martí's bust um, there and it's just that that it takes you back in time and That's you actually cool. feel the revolution and it's very strong um, Cuba will will remain the way that it is for a very long time what have you what were you able to learn that you didn't know beforehand was all this new information or was no it you know what I you know gratefully or thankfully um, in the univer- at University of San Francisco I made, made I minored in Latin American studies and we focus on Cuba a lot um, it's one thing to read it and one thing to read it through the lens of a U.S. professor because academia can seem very pretentious or very privileged in its, in, on its, in its own um, but coming to Cuba and seeing it for yourself and comparing the stories of what you've read and you're actually seeing is very different because you, you see it from the lens of the, of, of the Cuban people but it's, you always have to see both sides and kind of make it your own right. as you can hear in Edwin and Nicole's commentary 
there was a sense of realization of what we had been taught in America uh, in relation to what Cuba stands for and what goes on in Cuba, as opposed to what was actually experienced with boots on the ground. So with that comes a greater perspective, which is the, which is honestly my greatest takeaway from Cuba was just understanding, uh, gaining an understanding for the country and broadening my knowledge from that perspective, along with gaining the historical context uh, that allows you to appreciate Cuba as a whole. Next, we'll listen to a playback of our time spent at the Literacy Center of Cuba. The person who received us there was Cuban, obviously, and but did not speak any English. So we do have, there are translations that are taking place here, just as a forewarning. But with that being said, enjoy. Well, today you are in the only museum here you are in the only literacy campaign museum in the world. Este museo forma parte de una universidad de ciencias pedagógicas. This institute forms an integral part of the of the pedagogical research institute that exists. Hoy estamos celebrando ya el 55 aniversario de habernos convertido en territorio libre de analfabetismo. We are in the 55th anniversary of having overcome and eliminated illiteracy in the country. This campaign uh, to wipe out illiteracy began in January of 1961. We had close to a million people who didn't know how to read or write. Out of, about six and a half million people. That was 23.6% illiteracy rate. And the great majority was in the countryside. And Fidel in the United Nations in September 1960 said, announced that Cuba would eliminate illiteracy. But when the campaign began, we had very few teachers. Nos tiene acostumbrado a que cuando hay una tarea principal hay soluciones para ella. As Fidel has always taught us that when there is a very important task, there's always a solution. Y en ese año hizo dos grandes eh, propuestas al pueblo cubano. And in that year he made two proposals to the Cuban people. Convocó a 100.000 estudiantes de las ciudades que fueran de forma voluntaria a enseñar a los campos. He called on 100,000 youth to volunteer from the cities to go to the countryside to teach the people to read and write. Se incorporaron más de 105,000 estudiantes de la ciudad. More than 105,000 children and youth volunteered to go to the country. Y lo más significativo, eran estudiantes que estaban entre 10 y 16 años. And the most important thing is that the majority of the students were between 10 and 16 years old. Y el 52% de esos estudiantes eran del sexo femenino. And 50% were women, girls, and women. <laughs> Por eso yo siempre destaco la familia cubana en aquel momento. That's why I always 
make a point or highlight the role of the Cuban family in those days. Porque en aquella etapa ningún menor de edad salía solo. Because in those days, uh, young people didn't go out alone. Young girls didn't go out by themselves and come Y mucho alone. menos las niñas, las adolescentes, las jóvenes. Well, much less, very few girls and adolescent girls went out by themselves to, you know. Estos estudiantes, vivieron con los campesinos. The children lived with the peasants. Tuvieron que cambiar su modo de vida. They had to change their way of life. Porque en los campos no había luz eléctrica. There was no electricity in the countryside. Los, nuestros campesinos, las casas eran con piso de tierra. They were dirt floors in the countryside. Y tenían que ir a lavar a los ríos. And they had to wash in the rivers. In the Entonces no tenían recreación de ningún tipo. There was no recreation of any kind. Fue un año de mucho esfuerzo, de mucho sacrificio, porque había que eliminar el analfabetismo. It was a year of great effort, of great sacrifice to eliminate illiteracy. Y también se incorporan 14.000 trabajadores. And 14,000 workers also joined the campaign. Estos trabajadores fundamentalmente van para los campos a enseñar. Y era una necesidad porque en los campos nosotros teníamos una gran contrarrevolución que no quería revolución mucho menos campaña de alfabetización. These workers went into the countryside and uh, she's saying that there was a great challenge in the countryside because there were many counter-revolutionaries who did not, who were against the revolution and also against the elimination of illiteracy. Esa contrarrevolución asesorada por la CIA nos asesinó a 10 compañeros. That counter-revolution uh, backed by the CIA, advised by the CIA, killed 10 of the volunteer teachers. El fue el primer maestro asesinado, solo tenía 18 años. Conrado Benitez was only 18 years old when he was assassinated by the counter-revolutionaries as a teacher. Y también quiero decirles que en las ciudades se quedaron como maestros las amas de casa y los jubilados. Se quedaron como... Como maestros, haciendo la función oh. de maestro. And because the teachers and the youth and the workers left for the countryside, the housewives and other workers remained in the cities to become the teachers, to be the teachers. Por tanto, todos estos maestros, estudiantes, trabajadores, amas de casa, hicieron posible que aprendieran a leer y a escribir más de 707 mil cubanas y cubanos. 707 mil. Ajá. So the, together, the students, the housewives, the workers, the teachers, all came together to educate 707,000 people who were illiterate. Y excuse me. Y el 22 de diciembre de 1961, Cuba es declarada libre de analfabetismo. 22nd of December 1961, Cuba is declared a territory free of illiteracy. Nos quedamos con un índice de 3.9. We were we uh, ended with a illiteracy rate of 3.9%. Es decir, en un año eliminamos un 20% del analfabetismo en Cuba. Okay, en un movie? año, uh -huh. in only one year 20% of illiteracy was uh, finished eliminated in the, the country. 
Y para nosotros, los maestros, el 22 de diciembre es un día especial porque es el día que se señaló como el día del educador en Cuba. And December 22nd is a very special day for teachers because it is the day of education in the country now. Entonces, la última información que quiero darles aquí. En ese año 1961, recibimos una gran solidaridad. There was a great solidarity help that we received in that year, 1961. These lamps came from China for us. They were donated by the Chinese people. These lamps became the symbol of this campaign. Remember, there was no electricity in the countryside. Y las clases eran por la noche. And the lessons were currently at night. No se podía parar la producción. We couldn't stop the production in the country. Y también nos mandaron otro lápiz, libreta, los cristales para los lentes que hubo que hacerle a las personas. So we also received uh, uh, pencils, notebooks. We received uh, the glasses for our people that needed to read, to learn to read and write. Pero siempre destaco la solidaridad de aquellos amigos de cerca de 21 países del mundo que vinieron a Cuba a enseñar a leer y escribir. I always like to highlight these friends that came from around 21 different countries all around the world that came here to help us in this campaign. Argentina, Uruguay, Panamá, Costa Rica, México, Venezuela, Bolivia. También vinieron, estuvieron aquí presentes dos francesas, dos italianos. Total French, two Italian people from Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, many, many countries. Estuvieron presentes también de España. Also, we had people from Spain. Aunque los españoles, ustedes saben que estaban aquí desde el siglo XV viviendo en Cuba. Though you know that since the 15th century they were living here in Cuba, in the Spaniards. Pero en ese año vinieron de alguna provincia. In the year from, the, from some provinces of Spain, we also received uh, people to help. Y también vinieron de Estados Unidos. And we also had friends from the United States that came here to help. Recuerden que había cubanas y cubanos que vivieron mucho tiempo en los Estados Unidos, se casaron. Remember that many Cubans that used to live here went to the United States and they got married there. Y al triunfo de la revolución, pues comenzaron a regresar a la patria. By the triumph of the Cuban Revolution, many of these people that had married in the U.S. came back to Cuba. Pero siempre destaco a una maestra norteamericana. I usually like to highlight this uh, North American professor. De Illinois. She was from Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> De Illinois she was teaching here in Cuba. She came here with her two little daughters and she went to the countryside. And she was a graduated professor, so uh, she was responsible, she was in charge of 21 students from the methodological preparation. We, I used to tell her that she had 24 children now. 22 Cuban students and her two daughters. When they get to the last class, they will see Marjorie Moore, which is the name of her, in photos. 
When you get to the last room, you're going to see her picture. Her name is Marjorie Moore. Entonces, esto es en síntesis nuestra campaña. This is our campaign. This is a, a, a summarizing. Ajá. Bueno, este uniforme nada más que lo llevaban los 105,000 estudiantes que estuvieron en los campos. 105,000 students that were in the countryside areas were the ones using this uniform. Era una forma de controlar, de disciplina. It was a, a matter of discipline. Porque se les entregaban dos juegos de uniforme para que siempre estuvieran como uniforme. Because we used to give them two different uniforms so they would carry them all the time. Entonces, ese uniforme significaba mucho para ellos. That uniform was pretty important for the students. Y hay algo que sé por qué la amiga Gloria nos ha dicho, que es estos collares. And there is something we have to highlight on this, these colors. Estos collares son semillas de nuestros campos. These are seeds from the countryside areas. Y esta, esta semilla, que era la más grande, si lo pueden ver, ojo de buey, como se le llama, ahí grababan los nombres o a quién se lo iban a regalar. And it's the very big seed that they have in here called the ojo de buey, or the eye of the oxen, of the oxen, oxen eye. So they used to buy down their names there or give it to people as a present. Pero eso era una tradición. It was a whole historical tradition. Porque nuestro ejército rebelde al triunfo de la revolución vinieron con muchos collares para regalarse a los familiares, a los amigos, como un recuerdo de haber eliminado la sociedad que existía en Cuba con Fulgencio Batista. So this, uh, the fact that the students were doing this is just because they were following this tradition. When the rebels' army fell from the mountain, came from the mountains, they used to do the same thing because they were wearing a lot of these necklaces and they gave them as a present to their families and friends. Y el comandante Fidel les había dicho a ellos que eran un ejército, pero de lápiz, cartilla y manual porque iban a erradicar el analfabetismo. And our commandant in chief, Fidel Castro, had told these uh, young students that they were also an army, but their guns, they were aware, like the pencils, the notebooks, the books. But Yo because they want to finish with illiterate. De varones que se afectaban para ver si les salía, aunque sea. Algunos pelitos para ser igual que el ejército rebelde, como los barbudos. There are stories about this child that used to shave their faces. Maybe, maybe they will get hairy like the barbudos, the hairy uh, army that came from the mountains, like the Castro Camilo. Y los varones también vinieron con melena, es decir, con el pelo largo. And they also had this long hair. En aquella etapa no se usaba el pelo largo. It was not pretty often to be seen in those times. What they wanted was to be the same that the rebels army. Entonces, esto fue un momento histórico muy importante. It's a very important historical moment in our country. Estos estudiantes demostraron verdaderamente su patriotismo. This uh, child, the students, they definitely they proved their patriotism. Su lealtad, Fidel. Their loyalty to Fidel Castro. Porque ninguno de ellos vino sin el deber cumplido. Because they all came back uh, succeeding their task. Yo tengo una muchachita que en aquella etapa tenía 11 años, que estuvo en tres lugares distintos. I know this girl who was only 11 years old. She was teaching in three different places. Y enseñó a ocho campesinos. She taught eight different farmers. Porque ellos tenían, si yo termino aquí, pero hay otros lugares que tienen todavía analfabetos, pues voy para el otro lugar. 
Quiere decir que había algo incondicional. Lo único era terminar con el analfabeto. We may say that children were unconditionally ready to go anywhere. So if they already taught someone, they were going someplace else where they were needed. Personally, my greatest takeaway from the Literacy Museum was the display of togetherness shown by the Cuban people as a whole, pulling together to wipe out illiteracy largely within their country. And this easily speaks to the sense of community that's felt and perpetuated within the Cuban culture that we, were, that we saw on display time and time again during our stay there. With that being said, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and this closer look at Cuba and you feel inspired to, to travel there to learn more about, uh, about the country as a whole. It's funny because prior to visiting, um, I was in a bit of a rush to get down there because my principal fear was that it was going to turn into Miami. And that's no, no shade to Miami at all. It's a great place, but I think that the cultural significance of Cuba is vital it's vital that it's preserved. And I would highly encourage all of you to travel there to see it prior to any type of influence, uh, because right now it really is just etched in time from the cars to the architecture to everything else that, that exists there. Um, but I would caution you to take time to ground yourself into the history of the culture because it is very rich. Shifting gears a little bit to make up for lost time because we know that we owe you guys. We will be dropping another episode this week uh, on our recent trip to Austin. Uh, this will feature International P, myself, as well as a couple special guests. Uh, we'll speak about ACL Fest um, as well as just Austin in general. So hope that you will stay tuned for that. But we thank you for joining us for this episode of The Travel Guides. And remember, your next adventure is just a click away.